Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Hi, it's Megan. And this week on the Thriving Forward podcast, I'm speaking with Aaron Latanzio. He's a senior program manager at Causeway Community Partners. He has supported strategy, outreach, and coordination efforts of the Seven Meals Partnership of Rochester since 2014. While working with the partnership, Aaron has also worked on a variety of other youth-focused initiatives, including student attendance in the Rochester City School District, youth nutrition and physical activity with Finger Lakes Eat Smart New York, and grow comprehensive health and developmental screenings with the Children's Institute. As a former chef, Aaron has a passion for ensuring youth in our community have access to healthy and tasty food options. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, we like to start with an easy question, something that you're into lately. It could be anything. Yeah, well, I just by uh, force of habit here, I'm doing a lot of chasing around of my 15-month-old and spending a lot of time learning about um, like fun developmental things I can do with her games and you know toys and things that, uh, especially with all this extra time that I've got with her now. So that's that's kind of the thing that's out of the ordinary for me. Um, you know, for, for, for what's something different that I'm kind of, you know, experiencing and enjoying right now. One thing that I learned in uh, pediatrics residency was the best way to learn about development was to have your own baby. So you're going through all of that right now. You're yeah. seeing all the stages and the growing. So you could, you know, if you decided to be a pediatrician, you'd have a leg up. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm having you on the podcast today to talk primarily about the summer meals program in Rochester. And so um, why don't you talk a little bit about sort of the evolution over the last few years? Because I know that there's been a lot of growth and, and what the program does and who it helps. Yeah. So um, you're right. The program's existed for, I don't know, 30 or 40, maybe maybe more years. Uh, and 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 until you know 2012 or so, um, really operated with uh, with kind of not in silos but independently of the the organizations that support the program. So the program exists to make sure that um, you know every child uh, in Rochester has access to um, you know free, healthy, and uh, you know hopefully tasty meals um, in the summer months when they're out of school. No matter you know no matter where they live. Um, and the meals are provided by FoodLink, the city of Rochester, and the Rochester City School District. And um, the, our efforts over the past couple of years have really been to bring those uh, those partners and other community organizations that really have a vested interest in supporting youth uh, throughout the year, but you know, primarily in the summer months, to 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 a table where we can work collaboratively um, on and strategically on our planning, um, you know, our coordination of efforts, so we're not overlapping with one another, duplicating efforts, and really innovating and trying new things and finding new ways to reach um, as many as many families as possible with the program. Now, you know, obviously we're living through this time of coronavirus. There's been a lot of shifts and changes, I'm sure, in the summer meals program. What is different this year than uh, other years, other summers? 
Yeah. Um, you know, from a meal perspective, not a lot of changes, but the, the operations really had to pivot um, with, with, the, with the regulations and everything going on. Normally, historically, what um, has to happen is kids will go to a location that serves meals and access the meal and eat the meal uh, on site or participate in a program that they're, that they're enrolled in and the meals are served then. And so they eat, there's this congregate requirement where um, kids need to be there and eat on site because of the uh, regulations um, and, you know, some of the concerns around COVID and, and social distancing and everything. Um, thankfully, we've actually had the opportunity to change that a bit. And um, there's been some waivers put in place that allow us to um, serve in different ways. So we're serving with a grab-and-go model this year where um, youth or their parents or family members can go um, to a location and grab the meals and bring them home for all the kids that they have in their, in their household, um, which really allows for the flexibility of, um, you know, parents' concerns. There are still some sites that are operating with some, you know, reduced capacity programs. So it's not that all kids are taking the meals home. Some kids are eating in their programs, but it allows, it allows for flexibility, um, for families that would be concerned and just, um, hopefully allows us to reach more kids than we normally would because of that being open and, um, and, and available in that sense. And we've even actually, um, done some things a little differently to try to reach out and get to communities where there isn't, isn't a site, um, within like really close walking distance. Um, and so that's been really interesting. Something that again, wouldn't, we couldn't do, um, with the, with the congregate requirement, but now with this waiver, we're allowed to go out and kind of distribute meals in lots of different ways. Yeah. So part of your funding makes it required that people sit and eat at the place that they're given the meals. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's that's part of the requirements of the of the funding through um, New York State uh, Education Department and through USDA. Um, so they're the ones that have kind of put in place um, these waivers that have allowed for um, some different changes to um, to the to the requirement, um, which has allowed. So we have a partnership with RTS uh, and FoodLink, and they're using some some buses that would have been idle, um, you know, smaller buses that would have been idle this time of year, anyways. And are um, arming them with um, youth staff who are going out and um, out into the community. Uh, we've identified some routes that go through neighborhoods that um, may not have a easy access to a site, and um, they're just they're kind of like an ice cream ice cream truck model. Um, they're going around looping throughout the day for you know four hours or so in these different routes, and allowing families that want to access the meals to stop them and grab a meal and or a couple meals and bring them in you know bring them home. If school can't go back to its normal model where kids in September are physically in the building. What are sort of the plans of the partnership that's included with summer meals uh, to potentially help in that way? Well, I think ideally we would continue to operate in the models that we've been operating. There may not be like the kind of programs that are up in the summer running, but when everything shut down in March and when school closed in March, you know, the district, um, the city, and FoodLink all um, opened up, started operating a grab-and-go model right then. You know, didn't wait for the summer to hit. So I think ideally we would be able to go back to that model. The thing is, the waivers that are currently in place, uh, most of them, I think, end you know at the end of um, maybe at the end of September. But they they don't they they aren't right now set up to extend through the school year. So we would need some waivers to be extended to, in order to continue to do that um there's enough there's a little bit of overlap at least so you know it's not like 
at the end of August, everything shuts down. So we've got through, I think, through September where we could continue to operate in our current model, um, but we would need some things to kind of fall into place or some waivers to be extended in order to um, continue to do so. So when we look at the way that the summer meals program is set up, there are, there's quite an extensive partnership. Um, you've talked about city school district, food link. Uh, I know you and your role at Causewave are integral to helping, you know, publicize and let people know what's going on. Who else is sort of involved in the partnership on a regular basis to help make this happen? You know, um, Greater Rochester After School Alliance, uh, Greater Rochester Summer Learning Association, Law New York, um, you know, your, the Kids Fire Favorite Five at the table helping us to, you know, promote and get the word out. Um, and, you know, other organizations like libraries and, and um, YMCA's and things all kind of help in other ways to get the word out when, when programs aren't open, they, they, you know, they push the word out um, to families that maybe would have been engaged in programs. Um, so lots of people that help in lots of, in lots of different ways and not even not, not to leave out the, the sites themselves that are so integral, um, you know, through the summer to actually being able to um, connect youth with the meals, because in most cases, the, um, you know, it's not always like the sponsor is the one, actually serving the meals to the kids in many cases it is if the schools are you know operating a grab-and-go location or if um you know food link is actually operating their mobile programs but in some cases we need a church or a community organization that has their own programs or is willing to you know act as a, a stop for kids and those are just as important as uh, as the meal providers ensuring that we can cover as much of the um community as we can in the months leading up to the summer, every year, uh, I know that the summer meals program looks for new sites or people that might be interested and even has some, you know, small grants available to help facilitate sites getting off the ground. Do you want to talk about any of that? Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, every year we try to take a look at our, you know, our map of exist sites that we've had previously and identify gaps, um, you know, where there are maybe a lot of youth living, but we don't have a site nearby. And so we'll do some outreach ourselves and some brainstorming around, okay, what might be in that community, um, in that area that could serve meals, um, but also lots of sites uh, apply to be sites each year and there'll be new sites. And so we've got some funding through the community foundation that can help, um, help sites cover some of the costs that may be, um, hard for them to take on in order to serve meals. So in some cases, that's to help um, cover the cost of a, of a coordinator or a meal service. In some cases, it's also to um, support the purchase of different equipment or activities and things, because what we've learned in the past, I mean, this year a little different, but what we've learned in the past is there really needs to be something at a site going on in order to draw kids there, a, a, a program of some kind or some kind of activity, because it's a lot to ask youth um, in the middle of their summer um, to get up and walk to, you know, a half mile to a location that's got nothing going on just to grab, just to grab a meal and sit there. So if there's things happening, it makes it, um, you know, more attractive for, for kids to go and it gives them other enrichment um, that's really important in the summer that they may not get when they're, you know, just at home. So some, some sites will take advantage of that funding to help um, you know, have some different activities for kids and, uh, and, and make the, the experience more enjoyable beyond just the meal service. Well, and I know that summer meals takes kids' input very seriously. So whether it is 
what kind of meals should we serve going into next year? Or what did you think of what we have this year? I know there's been a lot of uh, thought put into what is served to kids. Yeah, it's um, we collect feedback, you know, throughout the summer um, as mu- as best we can with, from kids, and sometimes it ends, ends up being from parents or, or staff. But it's really important that we make meals that kids want to eat. You know, you can make anything and distribute it, and if the kids aren't um, interested in eating it, then it's what's the what's the value in us doing it? So it's it's a it's a it's a constant challenge because in most cases we often have to serve cold meals and. You know, you you have a four week or eight week menu, and you know how many different things can you try and um, make work in a cold meal environment. So that's why the feedback's really important in testing things and trying to innovate in ways um, that are culturally um, appropriate and acceptable for the different. I mean, because it's also we serve one meal a day, or one you know one item a day uh, for each meal, and so there's lots of different cultures that could are accessing these meals and not all cultures like the same thing. So, um, it's, it's a constant balance of us trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what, what works, what doesn't work, you know, try new things and take them off if they, if they don't work. Um, this year we were able to do some items that would be served hot because, um, because of the grab and go. So they aren't being distributed warm, but, the families, because they're taking them home, could microwave them and heat them up. So we've done things that we haven't done in the past, like you know, macaroni and cheese and and make your own pizzas and things that are done health in a healthy way. But give a, give because you know kids get sick of cold meals <laughs> after a while, and so the, the warm meals are something nice and a nice change. So this year, I mean, it'd be great if we can continue to operate in some sense in this model uh, in the future with the grab and go, but um, because it allow us that kind of flexibility. But we'll. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, well, I would have to fall in place in order to do that. One thing that I know from like the literature is that sort of to speak to what you were saying, fruit, for example, a kid will do a better job of eating like a pre-sliced apple than a whole apple if you give that to them. And that's not that's not cultural. That's just kids are better at eating right. things that are sort of pre pre-cut up like that. Uh, so it's great that you, that summer meals takes a lot of that into account and looks at it. And I know you guys work closely with food link, um, to try to figure out, you know, what that model looks like best. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and it's not only just like size and cut, it's like, um, assembly of things where kids really, they're more comfortable with things when they can tell what's in things. And so, you know, we've tried some things in the past that have been mixed up salads of things that, for some kids, because they don't know what's in there, they've, you know, not been as um, apt to try them. But when we try the same things kind of deconstructed or with similar ingredients, they, they love the ingredients. So it's, you know, it's, and that's a kid thing more than it is even a cultural thing in the same way. It's, it's like kids need to understand what they're eating. Not all kids, but mo- many kids um, want to know what they're eating. And so um, we've, we've had to, you know, try different things that way too, to make it, uh, to make it approachable. Why are you passionate about this work? What is it about, you know, summer meals, uh, getting food to people? I know, uh, in your bio, it talks about you are a chef, but is there anything else that really drives you to be passionate about this work? I just see, um, how important it is, um, at other times of the year for kids to, to have, the, the food, like uh, in some of the work that I've done in the school year with schools, you know, I can just, I can see 
how important the meal is as a part of their day. Many of these kids uh, aren't maybe getting a meal in the morning before they go into school or, 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 or a well-rounded meal because of their family's schedule, the work schedule, and everything, that there's a lot of uh, hectic nature. And so it's important to get this, this food in the school year for enrichment and for retaining learning and everything. And it's like, if we just take that away in the summer, there's three months or two and a half months of um, slide, right? And so it's just, it's, it's just so important to keep kids on track. You know, it's not just about feeding. I mean, it's a big part of it, but it's just, I think people take for granted the role that food take plays in, you know, everything about a child and, and, and development and, and learning and, and energy and, and all that stuff. And, and so it's so important to make sure that's continuing in the summer. So. What is it that somebody else who's interested in doing the work that you're doing, whether it is working with summer meals or uh, the work that you do at CauseWave, how can people sort of emulate what you have going on right now? <laughs> well, if, if people want to get involved in these types of things, not necessarily, we, you know, volunteering is a great way to connect and get involved in some of these things. Um, you know, I didn't, this isn't a career path. I, necessarily knew I was going to go on in, in college. Um, I kind of fell into it um, through internship. So I didn't plan to, to be here, but I mean, most people don't plan to be where they end up. Um, but, you know, so it was an area that I didn't even know about, I, I feel like in college and, and, and when I was entering my thinking about a career path for myself. But I think it's been so rewarding. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to you know, you got to be really passionate about the, the, the organizations that you work at, at least I feel like you, you should. And so a great way to, to kind of find that passion is to do volunteering and to look for organizations that feel like they align with your passions, you know, test it out, connect with them. And then that will kind of help you figure out if like, that's a path you want to take for, um, a re, you know, a career, um, or, or, or a passion that you want to, um, or cause that you want to get behind from a career perspective. I think a lot of people don't think about nonprofits from a cause perspective, from a career choice. Maybe they choose to go into healthcare or um, specific types of nonprofit organizations. But uh, I don't know, my my role and the way we work at CauseWave is so, um, it's, it's very unique um, because we get to work on so many different types of causes throughout the, throughout the year and throughout my time here where, you know, I don't, it's different from other nonprofits where you get in and you work in the mission area that you're in 24 seven. Um, you know, you work in child nutrition or you work in, um, education. I, we bounce around from cause to cause to nonprofit to nonprofit. And, um, it's really interesting and rewarding to be able to kind of get connected to lots of different causes. And I think volunteering can allow you to do that. I, I would say there's not like a lot of organizations like us that you could, you know, to, get the same kind of experience from a job perspective, um, at least in Rochester, but you can kind of get that by giving your time to lots of different organizations in different ways. Does the summer meals program rely on any volunteers or uh, interns or does CauseWave take volunteers or interns? Yeah. So the program, it's interesting because I get outreach from time to time, like through our website about volunteering and the partnership as a whole, like as the partnership, we don't really take volunteers. We don't really have a need, but the, 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 the various organizations connected to 
the partnership, especially like Foodlink, um, really rely heavily on volunteers. So I often will connect people to the supporting organizations rather than to the partnership as a whole um, from a, if to be connected to summer meals. But there are definitely opportunities, and Foodlink has been really relying on volunteers even more so with the food distributions that they've been doing um, outside of just you know summer and kids' youth meals, the, the food box distributions and things. So really important there. Um, and Causewave, we, and I'm sure Foodlink probably has internships, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and Causewave, we have three or four interns every quarter or yes, semester, um, in a couple of different roles. So definitely if people, uh, someone likes the sound of, um, you know, what I was saying about what Causewave does, there, there are ways to, you know, get connected from an internship perspective. And we rely very heavily on volunteers as well. I mean, our organization started as the Advertising Council of Rochester for 65 years or so and was really based off of a volunteer connection model where we paired up um, advertising professionals who had talent and time to give with nonprofits that needed something. And we've, we've pivoted a lot and we're not really that organization anymore, but we still as an organization rely very heavily on volunteers to help us get our work done. Um, so if, you know, some, and, and it's not just in the areas of advertising and communications in lots of different ways. So if people feel like they like the sound of it, there are lots of ways to connect to us um, from a volunteer perspective over at Causeway. Are there any other organizations in town, nonprofits that you feel like should uh, get more love or more publicity that you want to mention here? We talked it's, about a few already. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, tough to pick one because I feel like, I don't know, if, I feel like I the, the nonprofit community here is very rich from a uh, opportunity perspective and lots of great things happening. And I've seen that even more than ever um, just in the past couple of months with, we've had um, hundreds of consultations with nonprofits related to what's going on with COVID and how they re respond and what they do with their programs and how do they continue to um, still, you know, pro provide the important things that they're providing to community members and watched, you know, hundreds of nonprofits come up with creative ways of doing things differently right now. Um, so that, you know, it's tough to pick, but um, connected through the, through summer meals is uh, healthy kids is kind of the, one of the lead organizations on summer meals, but I don't think gets enough, uh, credit or is maybe probably um, known enough throughout the community for all they do. I mean, it, it, whether it's um, connecting kids with, with play or making sure the streets are safe for kids or there's opportunity for kids and adults to get active in the community, to nutrition, to advocacy for, for youth. It's just, it's a great organization that's got a lot of different uh, initiatives going on. And I know they rely heavily on volunteers for various um, things throughout the year. And so it's a good organization to give to if you've, they're part of Common Ground Health. So it's really a program, but they are their kind of own, um, you know, sector of Common Ground Health. So that's a great organization to, uh, to connect to, especially if you're interested in youth. And it's healthy kids with an I. With an I, yes. Yeah. 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 It's an acronym. It's an acronym that means something I can't remember, but I know it's, uh, it's like the, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they get the Y all the time, but yes, it's with an I. If people are, are trying to, to yes, Google it. Yes, if you're trying it, to find yeah. healthy kids with an I, that, that, that org that you can go to. All right. So just to wrap up, tell me something about Rochester that you really like. 
Oh, well, I was going to use, I was going to say the nonprofit sector probably again, but um, I just, it's so, I've lived here my whole life and um, the, uh, I think, you know, I'm, I like, I'm really proud of and like the, hopefully it all sticks through all this, but the food resurgence um, in, in Rochester and the, and, and the, the ability to go and check out all the food. I feel like if you go to like a, a huge city like New York City, it's so hard to like even comprehend the different great restaurants in there and get into them. And I think the size of Rochester is so perfect for um, feeling like you can experience all of Rochester and, um, and really get connected to all of Rochester. So the food and the size are, are great, I think. All right. So where can people find out more about summer meals and the other stuff that we talked about today? Yeah. So the summer meals, uh, we have a summer meals website, uh, summermealsroc.org that um, has some information on the partnership and the partners there. Its primary purpose is to, you know, host our site lists and maps of um, the locations. But there are, so if families want to find locations, that's the best place to go to find a place to get a meal. Uh, but there, there's information on there as well uh, to learn about the program. And causewave.org, causewave, lots of people say causeway, uh, causewave, like a like an ocean, org. Uh, if you want to learn more about um, the, uh, my organization and um, there's volunteer opportunities on there and lots of ways to get connected. Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.